Hello everybody, uh, welcome to Eavesdropping at the Movies. I'm Jose. I'm Mike. And today we're going to be talking about a film called Custody Jusqu'à la Garde. Uh, We've just been googling what the title literally means, and it does appear to mean until custody. I should be able to translate. I do speak French, but actually this one kind of escaped me. So hmm. <laughs> I liked I liked in the film where where uh, the kid was giving directions to the dad because that was all stuff I remember from like French when I was thirteen years old. A gauche, a droite. Yes. Uh, yeah. What floor are you on? Uh, deuxième. But I was like, I don't fucking need the subtitles for this bit. (laughs) (laughs) But let's tell people what the film is about. Yeah, so Custody is um, directed by uh, Javier Legrand. It stars uh, Leo Drucker, uh, Denny Menachet, uh, Thomas uh, Gioria, Gioria, I don't know how you pronounce it. Um, And it's about a custody battle over an 11-year-old boy. Uh, the, The film opens on... Uh, a, a legal hearing there's a judge the mum and dad are there with uh, their respective uh, legal representatives and actually the mum and dad are really very in that scene very little it's, it's the legal representatives take the take the um the focus there and it's yes. all about saying okay uh, the the mother's representative is saying he's violent um he's hit uh, the mother he's hit his daughter who's uh, getting on for 18 years old yes um uh, so you know he shouldn't have custody, and he should pay such and such in child support. On the other hand, uh, the father's representative is saying, "This is all misunderstanding. You know, this didn't happen. He's a good man. He's got. Uh, you can have your um, uh, uh, references from various people that say he's a good person. All this sort of stuff. And and you're kind of left in the position from the opening scene, which is quite a long scene. It's it's got to be ten fifteen minutes long. Yes. From the opening scene, you're left in the same position as the judges, really, yeah. saying you haven't got any real evidence of what's happened in these people's lives you're going on what you're being told mm. and you kind of it sort of sets up a little bit of a mystery you're kind of going what has happened in these people's lives mm. and and who should uh, you know get custody who's lying about what because it sets up all these things of of you know these people aren't necessarily just telling the truth May, the, the, the 11 year old boy Julien has written a statement saying he basically doesn't like his dad and he's, he, he's scared of him and this and sort of thing. he wants to keep away from that wa- man. Right, and he wants to keep away from him. And this is what kind of uh, catalyzes this meeting. But you're going, okay, well, maybe... But has he been coached to write that? Well, you know, is this someone else's well, words? Fact, the father says he's been coached. Exactly. So so that, that opening scene sets up this mystery um, and this, and this, this conflict. Um... And as the film goes on, then you see basically these two people's lives and how the father wants to uh, stay in his child's life. He wants to keep control. The mother is trying to move away yeah. so uh, and, me, and hide from him. Yeah, so... That's, that's the premise. That's the premise, and I just kind of want to elaborate because when in those first 10, 15 minutes or whatever it is, what you see is this man who sounds quite reasonable surrounded by four women, right? Yeah. Because... The judge and the lawyers uh, and the solicitors and, you know, his wife are all women, obviously, right? So, so the film raises the question, is this kind of just an innocent man who's kind of, you know, a victim of a vengeful wife? Uh, or, you know, the other question, is this like, you know, uh, uh, an abused wife who has to keep running and running and running to stay away from this man? But the whole thing is framed around, you know, a man who wants to be a good dad having a right to see his children. 
and actually kind of stop. So the, what the film does is it sets thinking about the law in motion. This is the law. A man has these rights, mm. right? And then kind of like the rest of the film is uh, a closer look at the real dynamics of what's happening between this couple that puts into question this law, I think. Yeah, so I think what the film's very successful at is um, using the child, Julien, as, as the kind of battleground between them. Like, the kid's like a tennis ball. You know, he's just batted between the two of them. And there's this whole thing about uh, the dad having custody on weekends, which is... Um, uh, so he's got custody on weekends of the kid, and the kid really... Do, or is it alternate weekends? And the kid really doesn't want to go. And, and um, he's constantly picking the kid up from... The, uh, his wife's parents' house. Yeah. She's keeping away. She she's moved to uh, sort of um, uh, housing estate. Yeah, housing estate. She's moved to a flat somewhere, and she doesn't want him to know where he is. So it's constantly like this kind of neutral ground, almost of pick yes. him up from here, and you don't get to know where we live. Um, and there's this thing of like when he comes back, when the kid is returned after these weekends, he's sort of. Like, his grandparents receive him as though he's, like, come back from war. Yes. Like, like you know, there's this, there's this thing of, like, oh, my God, you have to spend some time, you have to spend two days with that man, which is what they call him, um, look, actually, in French, like the other. Um, and, and it's like, when he comes back, it's like, you survived. So they're very, very nervous of this guy. And you can you kind of see why. Like, this is a guy who has, he's a little bit of a, not exactly a short fuse, but he has a temper, and... He he's he's kind of on the edge of fury sometimes, and you can see why. But it's also like exactly the reason that this will all have fallen all, fallen apart. The thing is that the whole film is an unfolding, right? So as the film unfolds, you begin to side more and more and more with the child and with the wife, mm. right? You know. So, but you know, from the beginning. You're 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 a little bit uncertain, really. Yeah. Is he being coached? You know, why are they putting these ideas into his head when going to see the father, right? And then you see the father begins to lose his temper, and then actually the father, you know, uh, begins to demand things of the child. And really, it's it's a kind of a verbal abuse that he's doing with his child, right? But it begins with, "Oh my heart, my son, how lovely to see you." Mm. And then little by little, kind of the scenes become more and more violent, really. Mm. You know, like not physically violent. Uh, uh, until the end, but really emotionally kind of explosive. Yeah, so like the kid responds to his dad very little, doesn't really want to look at him, doesn't want to talk to him, and that as that frustrates the dad, he his, his temper sort of gets the better of him at points. Yeah. But you, you, you still think at that point that actually that it's just, you know, this horrible situation that is that is inciting this response from the father. And little by little, as the film progresses, you realize, you know, he's really like, you know, a, a violent, abusive, macho mm. man. Yeah. yeah, I think um, I want to talk about the look of Denis Menachet. So um, in, in uh, English language cinema, he's best known as the dairy farmer in the opening scene of Inglorious Bastards, who's interrogated by... Yes. Um, uh, Christoph Waltz's uh, Jew hunter character, uh, Monsieur Lapidite, his name is. Right. Um, that's what he's best known for. So, it's, which is kind of, you know, it's a very impactful scene. It's very memorable, but it's a small role. 
Um, obviously, he's done a lot more he work. Looks the part wonderfully, though. He really does look like a peasant farmer, yeah. you know, from rural France, and he has that look in this film. Yeah, and as you said, we were talking over dinner. You said he has a he's he's French terroir. Yes, like that is his look. Yes. and he has these kind of tired eyes, these these droopy eyes, and and this sort of slightly sour, tired expression. Yes, but in this film, as well as that, he is built. Yeah, you know, he's not like he's not he's not a kind of. Uh, sort of bodybuilder but he's a big stocky bloke and he's covered in layers of coats and things yeah. and and he's also kind of it's like his his head is slightly sunken inside his body like he's like he could explode like he's a giant grenade or something yeah. he has this incredible look that is you could imagine him he's like a bear you know you could imagine him being great at hugs <laughs> if he was nice yeah. but you could also imagine him kind of exploding and being incredibly threatening and sometimes he looms mm. You know, when he stands over someone, because he's a big old, big bloke, mm. and he stands over someone and becomes very, very threatening very quickly. He doesn't really have to do much to make himself a threatening presence physically. No. Um, but he's got, he's, he's got this wonderful look, because he does look like an everyman, and I was thinking, where else have I seen him? And obviously the other famous uh, film that I've seen him in is Ozon's Dans la Maison, yeah, where he plays, like, the everyman whom... Mm. You know, the young man moves in with and, you know, who's, who's got a son who turns out to be gay, right? And he is like Mr. Everyman, macho, getting his son to play b- basketball and so on and so forth. So he's got a wonderful look for this, actually, because in a way, you know, his face is quite transparent. You know what he's thinking, really, mm. you know, but it, can, it turns to anger so quickly, right? He's really marvelous in this part. I think. He's very good at staring into space, mm. Kind of when someone else is talking and he's just staring into space, and and you can feel anger and resentment and tension building up inside him, but it's kind of not being expressed yet. Yes, I kind of I also <clears throat> want to uh, point out how the film is really a study on um, you know male domination couched as victimhood. Right, so uh, uh, the father sees himself, you know, as the victim of a society who prioritizes women with children, uh, and he's left out, and you know he's aggrieved because he thinks he's somebody who's lost everything, and yet kind of all of his actions throughout the film kind of involve showing you how he thinks he has a right to everything. So when he finally tracks down his wife, he wants he goes through every room, mm-hmm. you know, it's not his apartment. Right, but he feels he has a right to every room, and he wants to know who she's been with, right? As if he has a right to know, right? And like you know, every question or every move into you know this interior space becomes kind of like a threat. It alters things. You can see people's fear, right? And actually, it's a really interesting thing because this fear, this real fear, is caused by a sense of 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 male power that 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 comes out of a sense of being victimized. So it's like, you know, an idea of self-victimization that manifests itself at this this incredible power to kind of engender terror, which is what he does. Mm. And I thought that was brilliant in the film. There's one moment in particular that I'm thinking of where it's when he finds the apartment and he's stalking through it, you know, kind of, kind of, Stein to own it, and um, the mother and son are there. And and he he goes to the kitchen, he has a glass of water, and then he kind of breaks down, and it's 
If I was less generous, like I would say that it feels like a performance, but it doesn't. It feels like actually he really is breaking down mm. because he is this kind of emotional sort of pressure cooker and it's going off in this direction where at this at this one point he's crying and he says, I've changed, I've changed in this kind of you know, take me not take me back, but but a sort of a plea for, you know, kind of acceptance and he wants to see his son. I don't think it's not something to me, you might disagree, it's not something that to me felt like the character was faking it. No, no, no. It felt it, like totally real. It felt totally real, you see. So, no, that's the thing, what he's feeling, he's really feeling. Yeah. There's no question about that, right? And you do get a sense that he loves his children and you get a sense that he loves his wife very much. But you also get a sense that he has this incredible sense of entitlement, mm. right? So he's got rights over his children, right? I mean, he's not thinking about what effect he's having on his child. He's thinking about his rights over yeah. his children, his rights over his ex-wife, right? Yeah, so, and actually it's because he's not getting what he thinks he deserves mm. that he feels this, this grievance, this, yeah, so this, this anger, really. Yeah, but it comes out of a sense of entitlement. It comes out of a sense of, like, male privilege. Yeah, and when when you when you say about um, him not thinking about how it affects his child, you get these scenes uh, in his van between him and his kids when he's either picking him up or dropping him off or whatever, um, and and these are scenes in which he kind of the, the kid is used as this go between, you know. So it's it's not just on his side; it's also on the mother's side yeah. that the kid is used to send messages. So there's this whole thing about the phone, and like you know, in this film. Uh, Kids, actually, actually, the daughter is on her phone all the time to her boyfriend. Mm. So that's kind of like a kid using a phone, like a normal person, like a normal kid. And the son can't do anything like that. So we've got this phone, but it's like he's ignoring the dad's calls. And then you know he asks, he asks the, the when the da- when he eventually picks up occasionally, the dad says, "Pass me on to the mum. Don't want to do it." And then the mum is claiming that she doesn't even have a phone, you know, which is why he can't call her. And obviously she does. Mm. And so like the phone becomes this kind of tool in this this like weapon of war and. And it's attached to the kid because he, the kid has one, and the kid can sort of, the kid can be used to, 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 to send these messages between the mother and father. And so these scenes in the car, where you know the dad saying to the kid, you know, what did your mother say, and who calls me that man, and why do you call me that, and does she call me that, and, and it's like, some you know, there's a small amount of it which is interrogating the kid. But a lot of it is is interrogating the wife through the kid, and the kid just doesn't have these answers and shouldn't be put in this position. And so, why can't these people actually talk to each other? But they refuse to, and it takes such a toll on yeah. the, on the son. Yeah, except then, you know, as the film progresses, you do understand why she's behaving like that. Oh yeah, you know, so uh, she's not just blocking a communication with her kid; she's out to survive. No, absolutely. But it's like this: is what you say, it's like early on in the film, yes. you do get that feeling. Early on yeah, in the yeah, film, yeah, you yeah. are feeling like. You know, she's up to something too, and of course, as the film goes on, you realise that, as you say, she's she's trying to survive from whatever. But at the start, it feels you you, you um, I suppose when you don't know what's going on, as you say, you sympathise with the dad more because you really feel like his sort of because you because you're confused about what's going on, and you're seeing it more from his side. You feel his, uh, you know, anger, desperation of being being left out of his kid's life. Yes. Um. Anyway, I thought it was a fantastic film. I didn't. I know. Even though I'm saying all this stuff about, you know... That's right. I, so I, tell me, why... why I had know. a very bad time. I, th- I mean, not say I should have had a great time, but I found it very boring. I, I think that it's a film that looks like it's well-made and actually is pretty uninspiringly made. Oh, I disagree. Go on. 
Uh, I think it's brilliantly made. You know, I was thinking when I was watching it, because the thing is, it makes you feel terrible. There's no other way of putting it, mm. right? It's kind of... It is, it is kind of torture to see this, this poor kid being tortured. You know, and then at the end, you have, like, the wife being tortured. It's emotionally wrenching, really. So, and I was, I was thinking, why does anyone want to make a movie of this? Like, you know, who wants to pay money to be, like, emotionally wrenched like that, you know, for, like, an hour and a half? Uh, and then actually I thought, well, the, the answer to that is that it does make you understand the situation better. And I think for me it did, mm. right? That, you know, you think, why do people do these things to each other and how do they caught up? They get caught up in these patterns of behavior. And, you know, and actually I think the film explained it to me. It did give me insight into it. It did help me understand. Mm. And certainly it helped me understand how women are often victims of a law that aims at fairness and equity, right? Um, you know, and then kind of they risk getting killed for that. Mm. Um, so, so, and, and I thought the film was absolutely brilliant, you know, because it begins so simply, it just begins with like, you know, these artfully composed shots, but just very simple shots in a way of, you know, there's three people on one side, three people on the other, right? And, you know, back and forth, the conversation about she did this, he did that, the child said this, the child said that, the law is this, mm. right? You know, so that kind of seemed like overly simple in a way. Um, but then as the film um, um, unfolds, I thought it was so bold in its choices, in how it framed things, in how it actually kept a certain distance so you could see people behave in relation to each other. Yeah, like I thought, for example, it was very interesting that when they, they did uh, the scene of the child visiting the paternal grandparents, right, it was always in kind of a medium-long shot, so that you saw all of the characters almost all of the time interacting with each other. Mm. And you, you, know, you get a, a real sense of how the grandparents also felt the abuse onto their grandchild from their son, mm. right, to the point that they exploded. So I thought that kind of um, interplay, yeah, allowing you to see kind of, you know, all these dynamics and relations at play within a frame, was uh, was brilliant, you know. Uh, so I loved all of that, and I loved the way that it managed the tension. Sure. Right. Uh, so, uh, well, that's it. I mean, you know, I thought I, I actually thought that it's one of those films that <coughs> seems kind of very simple because there are a lot of close-ups, right, mm. uh, uh, and two shots and shot reverse shot and things like that. But actually, I just thought that it was beautifully done, and that actually there was a reason. A rationale for those choices being made, really, you know, kind of. Um, and then there were like beautiful things, like at the daughter's birthday party. Actually, you couldn't hear anything that was being said, right? And yeah, I loved it. Uh, uh, you know, so you know, you know that the mother and the daughter and the sister all knew something that you didn't. Uh, uh, and I thought that was very tense. And actually, I thought initially it was about the disappearance of the child, and then it turns out it's just the presence of the father outside, right? Mm. Uh, yeah, um, the length, the way that the, the, the shots are held, like in the bathtub scene, I thought that was just like fantastic. It's, it's almost held too long and becomes kind of unbearable, you know. But I thought it worked on me beautifully, you know. Really no, that's fair I, I mean, I, I, I would also have said that shots were held too long. Um, but for me, it's, it's because I wanted something to happen. I wasn't feeling, uh, you know, that sense of terror. Oh, yes. really? I really wasn't. Even though I can, even though I understand everything that you said, 
and I totally see it. I really do. Uh. I just didn't feel it. Like, right. and I kind of, I you know, I get how sort of, um, you know, there's a kind of structural uh, kind of elegance to the film where it starts off with this extended scene of of civil disagreement, basically. You know, it's like the parents aren't even allowed to talk to each other in this scene. It all happens through the intermediaries. And, uh, and then by the end, you've got the dad firing a rifle at a door. You know, it kind of breaks down so completely. Um, you know, I, I get that, and I think it's, 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 it's kind of elegant, kind of clever. But I, I just felt like everything that I saw in the film, I felt, A, didn't really uh, kind of emotionally affect me or interest me that much. And B, I felt like I had seen it. And I couldn't tell you like exactly where I seen it, but right. I, I I felt like there wasn't a, a kind of original thought or observation. I don't agree. I kind of uh, well, I anyway, you know, you can't disagree with some of what you say because, yeah. you know, but my experience is that I haven't seen it. Sure. You know, uh, um, I haven't seen it done this well. I feel like I've seen EastEnders episodes that, that talk about this stuff just as well. Probably. You know. Uh, actually, um, that might be something. Uh, you know, because it is the kind of thing that television. Soap opera probably does better than movies. I think the sense of terror that the wife conveys when he just touches her, right? And you could see that she's just bearing it up. She just wants him to go away, but she's going to play along. And you know, I thought it was just fantastic. I think there are some wonderful um, parts like that. I will absolutely agree. I, I um, you know, I, I um, that one bit. It's after the guy's. It's when he's crying. And then he goes to hug her, yes. and she is just kind of perfectly. He's all around her, and he's sobbing away, and she's kind of perfectly still, and she doesn't know whether to whether to kind of engage in the hug or not. And she just kind of stays still. It's like dealing with a dangerous dog. Exactly, she's managing yeah. the situation. So there are moments um, which are fantastically observed like that, but I, I still do think that I. Even those really great moments, they didn't add up to enough for me. Okay, well, um, for me, they didn't even the closing, you know, so the husband comes in, uh, he now knows where she lives, he's determined to come into her house and talk to her, you know, because somehow as he's, he's got a right to talk to her when he wants to, mm. just because he wants to, <laughs> right, just because he's the man. I mean, I do think actually that, you know, the exploration of masculinity here is fascinating. So, you know, just because he's the man and he's the former husband and he's the father, he feels he's got a right to walk into her apartment in the middle of the night just because he wants to talk. And actually, it doesn't matter. He obliterates her completely. Her wishes not to talk don't mean a fucking thing to him, right? And so then he takes a shotgun. And actually, I love that also. Like, he's trying to bang the door down. And, you know, doors are not as easy to bang down as in the movies, right? So he tries and he tries and he tries and it doesn't work. And the neighbor calls the police, mm. you know. Uh, and then he shoots three cartridges through the door, almost kills his son in the process. You know, he's a, he actually does physical damage to him. You, he, you know, the son loses the hearing as a result of, you know, the bullet going so close, the cartridges going mm. so close to, to his ears. Uh, and then he finally goes into the house. I thought, all of that I found terrorizing. But then what I thought was actually really beautiful was, you know, the neighbor. So the film ends with the door on the events being closed off to her and then herself closing off the door. And actually, it's very subtly done, but you get the sense that this old woman has lived and empathizes with what's happening to this young woman. And so kind of this concatenation of gazes turns the event, you know, so if the, th if the whole thing begins as a social one about the law, 
and then moves very much to a, a deeply personal and individual one, that concatenation of looks at the end returns it back to the social. There's lots of women who suffer this. Mm. And I love that. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Mm. Anyway, it's a film that, I mean, you, you know, you can't say you'll enjoy because it is kind of excruciating to watch. But I highly recommend it if you go with that in mind, yeah, that you're going to have an experience and it's an experience that's uncomfortable, but that will lead, I think, to, to, to a little bit of understanding. Yeah. I think it's a brilliant first feature. Yeah. And particularly the work with the actors is out of this world. I was reading, you know, I was reading this really interesting piece by David Hare, the dramatist, about, about actors and acting. And he was saying, you know, the thing about, um, uh, you know, actors on film is that as soon as you put two people interacting with each other in a frame, yeah, it, it almost instantly propulses, you know, the action onto something else. Whereas he says you can create a performance in the editing room out of close-ups, right? Mm. But you can't really, out of the interaction between actors, right? Uh, you know, and, and the interaction between actors is always superior, it requires acting. Mm. And, uh, you know, and, and uh, those interactions bring in something different to the picture. And he says, well, that's what I hate television because it's so much of shot, reverse shot, yeah, in close-up, medium close-up. You know, and those kinds of performances can be created in the editing room because it's much harder to do so once you have, you know, either a two-shot or a wide shot, right? And I thought that was really interesting because this is a film very much about two shots and wide shots and actors interacting, you know, yeah. and kind of, you know, you can see what brilliant and subtle uh, work that they do, like, throughout, um, of which the father is absolutely brilliant. He's very, very good. And the kid's very good as well. The kid's brilliant. And the bum. Everyone's good in it. The mum, I thought, was too closed off, you know, but then actually you see why she is that way, yeah. right? It kind of renders it understandable. Mm. Uh, so what I thought was a failure of the performance is actually part of the characterization, you know, by, by the end. Uh, so it's kind of, it's brilliant acting, and I think it's quite a brilliant first feature. It's, you know, it had, it had me yeah, you got responding. You. Yeah. yeah, fair enough. So I would say, go see it, because actually if you, if you, <laughs> If you, if it comes out on television, or at least for myself, had I been seeing it on television, I would have put the pause button on, made some tea, and never returned to it. Because mm. it is actually borderline unpleasant to watch. Yeah, if you, I mean, yeah, yeah. I suppose if you get into it. Well, <laughs> um, so uh, um, anyway, yeah. yeah, you know, my thing is, it's a brilliant first feature with brilliant performances that makes you uncomfortable, but that actually kind of illuminates kind of some of the gender wars uh, that are currently taking place and their relationship to the law and society in a way that I found, you know, quite um, illuminating. Yeah. Fair enough. I, I felt like I'd seen it. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, well, uh, thank you very much for listening. Yeah. Uh, we are on iTunes, SoundCloud, Facebook, and Twitter. Well done. Better. <laughs> so, uh, do get in touch if you, have, uh, if you have an opportunity to see the film, uh, mm. and if you'd like to discuss it further, we're always open to that. Yes. 
And thanks for listening. It's in French, though. So you know. <laughs> Subtitles. <Okay>. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just so you know. All right, let's end this here. I used to work at Blockbuster, and the number of times you try and recommend something with subtitles, and people just went, oh no, I can't be doing with that. I know. Reading's too hard. <laughs> <laughs>